welcome to Dads with Daughters. In this show, we spotlight dads, resources, and more to help you be the best dad you can be. Hey everyone, this is Chris, and welcome to the Dads with Daughters podcast, where we bring you guests to help you be active participants in your daughters' lives, raising them to be strong, independent women. Really excited to have you here today. Thank you for always listening and going on this journey with myself because, you know, all of us have to learn from each other because we can't do this alone. And the whole concept of this podcast is to connect with you and to be able to better help you to connect with your daughters. Today, we've got a great guest. Dr. Robert Zeitlin is with us. And Robert and I go back a few years. You know, we've known each other and and we're going to be talking about some really good stuff in regards to things that you can do to laugh more and yell less at home. And I think everyone, I mean, I know I've had this happen where you get frustrated and you you might get angry and you yell, right? And and then you feel terrible afterwards because you don't want to yell, but it seems like their kids aren't listening. Robert put out a book a number of years back about laughing more and yelling less. And over this period of time that we've all been at home and kind of sheltering in place with COVID-19, he came out with a stuck at home edition as well to really look at those issues again. So Robert, thanks so much for being with us today. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. It is my pleasure to have you here as well. And we always start these interviews with an opportunity to look at you as a dad and to look at you and your daughter. So what I want to do first is turn the clock back in time because I always start with this question because I love it. And I want to go back to the first time, that first reaction that you had when you first found out that you were going to be a father to a daughter. Well, that was actually the moment that she was born because we did not know prior to her birth what her gender was. And in that moment, I remember feeling overwhelmed and excited. And all the lessons I took from my sisters growing up and their points of view flashed before my eyes. A lot of thoughts about being a feminist and a lot of thoughts about raising a daughter in this type of world that we're in. And I just remember sort of being overwhelmed with it and then being brought back to the moment of like, here's my wife, here's my baby. Like there's there's nothing more centering than being standing in the hospital and going through the stress of childbirth and then the excitement of things going well. Now, I know that your daughter is an adult now. She's in college and and has kind of grown and flown as we were talking about before we started today. As you look back at the years that you've had with her so far, what would you say is the most memorable experience that you've shared together? Well, honestly, we were a few months into stay-at-home kind of life now. And, and the most memorable experience has been the two months that we got to spend with her from spring break, which sort of didn't happen. And then she stayed home for the next two months and having that extra time that I didn't really count on with her as more mature, as someone who's been through some worldly experiences and has just this opportunity to start to get to know her as an adult more has been amazing. And then also I have to tag on the trip that we took in the middle of her study abroad year last year, where we got to travel together and do a trek in the Andes in Peru, which was an insane experience. Neither of us will ever forget. So it was was an amazing opportunity the last two months to really build on that relationship that's growing nicely. Well, seeing that we're talking today, you survived the Andes, which is amazing as well. And I'm sure you have plenty of stories to share and memories even more so that will last a lifetime. Now, a lot of fathers, when they have a daughter, have fear. And there's some fear because of the unknown. 
in some aspects. As your daughter was growing up, and even now, as she's becoming an adult, what would you say has been the biggest fear that you've had in raising a daughter? Honestly, there's obviously physical fears of you know getting through the world safely, but but most of the fear is centered on sort of social, like adapting to social situations and sort of dealing with quote unquote girl world at times when the peer group wasn't necessarily very hospitable or it was hard for her to find her group. So that's been the biggest fear is like how she would adapt and how she would, I knew that she would come through it with resilience and grit. I wasn't very excited to see how she would necessarily get those calluses and and sort of manage the tough times. And there definitely are tough times. And, and I'm kind of in those teen tween years right now with my girls. And I know that I see that and it's so challenging because you know that at times you need to let them struggle and work things out and figure things out. But as a dad, as a man, you know, I, I want to fix things, right? I think that's kind of ingrained in many men. And when you hear that or see that and see your child struggling, whether it's a, a daughter or a son, to come to their rescue at times is kind of first nature, even though I know it shouldn't be. So I hear that and, and it's definitely not an easy thing, but it's definitely something that I know that I've had to learn along the way is to stay, take that step back and to allow for that to happen and help allow things to happen too. Now, we talked about the fears, but what would you say is the hardest part of being a father to a daughter? The hardest part of being a father to a daughter has been reminding myself that as much as I feel like I know her experience, that I don't know her experience. I can't really walk through life, society, the world in her shoes in the same way that her mom has and that other women necessarily have. Now, at the beginning today, I talked about the fact that uh, a number of years back, I think it was back in 2015, you you launched a book that was called Laugh More, Yell Less. Now, I know that you are a psychologist and you're a positive psychologist. First and foremost, tell me what a positive psychologist is, because people I'm sure have heard of a psychologist, but what's a positive psychologist? Positive psychology is science of happiness. So whereas psychology for about 100 years has been about finding problems and helping treat them and solve them, positive psychology is actually looking at the positive side of our character and our strengths and finding ways to build off of those. So as opposed to sort of finding a problem and then helping someone up off the ground, so to speak, and brushing them off and saying, off you go back to work or back to your life. Positive psychology is helping you build from your strengths into an upward spiral. The upward spiral has been described in the research as having a ton of benefits from health benefits to being able to focus more to mental energy. Now, as I said, back in 2015, you put this book out into the world. And in that book, you really are looking at parenting in a new way. Talk to me a little bit about what made you decide to write this book, the initial book. And then we'll talk about your COVID-19 book here but and kind of the updated version of it. But talk to me about some of the impetus of why you chose to to focus on the topic of laughing more and yelling less, and what made you decide to take the time to actually write this book. Well, the journey really started with learning about mindfulness and then learning about positive psychology and learning about the character strengths, which I call superpowers, that actually form the core of any upward spiral that you can create. You know, practicing um, character strengths like creativity or curiosity or spirituality. Um, are the kind of things that lab research has shown can create this upward spiral. So I was looking at that research and thinking, I can help a few clients that come to my practice. I can help some of the kids and families I, I work with at schools. 
But what I really want to do is to find an audience that really needs this information. And the more I looked around, the more kids, the kids that I see kept pointing at their parents and saying, what we really need is for our parents to be able to laugh more and yell less. And a lot of the ideas that I had could really be applied to the parenting space. And so that's what inspired me to write the book. Now, from talking to parents, I mean, what are you finding that is causing many parents today to, to well, let's say, yell more and not laugh as much? I think there are a number of factors. And before we get into what's happening today, but in general, what leads parents to be yelling more and, and laughing less is stress. And uh, the inability to create enough space to think about how they're reacting, just not having, having a very narrow space and just being very reactive as opposed to proactive. As a parent, you don't see all of it coming. You barely see any of it coming. So you're constantly uh, a short order chef or, a, or an ER surgeon trying to manage what's coming at you. And so half the time it triggers a reaction and it, that trigger is connected to other things that we've experienced in our life, and all of a sudden we find ourselves emotionally acting out. The fact that that uh, that you know we have had COVID nineteen with us now for the last three months has amped the stress level to the nth degree, and because of that, you you did make a choice to do something a little bit different with your book. Talk to me about some of the changes that you've put into this new edition to be able to help even more. And then, and then I want to go into some more practical things about what people are going to find inside the book. Sure. So, I mean, I think it's interesting. In 2015, one of the messages that I tried to relay to parents is that the future wasn't as certain as we were making it out to be, that we were often trying to prepare our kids for a specific path. You know, if you get this kind of education and this kind of experience, then you can pave a safe path to the future. And, and as, as nicely as I could, I was trying to, to gently take that, that idea out of parents' hands and say, we really don't know the future. You know, um, the, the Harvard Business Review actually built on something I learned later was the U.S. Uh, College of, of um, U.S. War College. Uh, developed something called the, the VUCA model, which is that the future is really volatile, uncertain, complex and ambiguous, V-U-C-A. And so while I was talking about that in 2015, I didn't realize how right I was going to be in 2020. So here we are, you know, I kept saying, you don't know what the future brings. And here we are, we really did not know what the future brought or was bringing and still kind of don't know what it's going to bring. And all that uncertainty, not to mention being all locked in the same space for months and months on time, is going to be a really stressful experience. It's definitely been a stressful experience, I think, for every parent out there. And uh, not only in the fact that we've had to be all compartmentalized in the same space, but we've had to become teachers. We've had to work from home. You know, there's all these things that have compounded on each other. And instead of having that break that parents may have, during the day where, where kids are going to school, they're going to their work, they're at home with the kids, they still have that break so that we're not all together all at the same time. We now are all in the same space and we're occupying that same space for a long period. So I definitely hear that and I have seen <laughs> the, the stress that can impact many families out there. Now in your book, it's a very practical book. And for people that haven't haven't read it, I, I, I feel that it there's a lot of really easy takeaways that people can take and start using. But I know that not every person has read this book yet. So I guess for me and for people 
people that are listening right now, are there some some easy things that would allow for them to be able to see what they would learn in this book? Maybe some some quick takeaways that, that we could talk through to be able to say, maybe even some things that they could practice right away. And then, you know, if they're reading further, they're going to even grab more. The book is called Laugh More, Yell Less, A Guide to Raising Kick-Ass Kids. And so I break it down into seven ideas that you can adopt and seven ideas that you can use both for yourself with your parenting and also with your partner. So let's start with one with a partner, because I think that's a really critical piece here. We're all trapped inside like we're on a, a submarine you know, mission that, that has no end date. And we're having to deal with other people running the ship and then other people we're trying to run it for. And if we're not on the same page, what I call zigging and zagging, with our partner, then it makes everything more complicated. And if we are on the same page and we can figure out how to zig and zag, then we can make all the life go a lot smoother. So sometimes that takes stepping back, not just not being reactionary, like I said before, but actually figuring out how we can support the other person. Because we're also in a new game in terms of splitting responsibilities and both parents being home when often one was home and one was away at work. And so we're trying to work from home. There's a lot of zigging and zagging now. There's a lot of there's a lot of grist for the mill. There's a lot of opportunity to practice this. So that's one skill that I talk about is zigging and zagging. Zigging and zagging is definitely something that I feel like every dad is having to do right now because things keep flying at you a million miles a minute. And especially depending on the age of your kids. I mean, I'm lucky enough that my kids are a little bit older, so you know they can be a more independent. But I, I've talked to many fathers that that are not that way. I mean, their kids are young. And they're right in it. And, you know, when you're trying to get work done for work, but then you've got kids, you know, knocking on the door or right at your side or, you know, and you're trying to balance all of these different things, you know, sometimes you're trying to zig and, you know, they want you to zag and I get it. I mean, it's definitely not an easy thing. Now you were about to say something else though about another, maybe another tip. Yeah. Another tip, another chapter I called be the good witch which I took from The Wizard of Oz. If you remember Glinda coming down in the bubble to Dorothy and, and sort of all of a sudden, like she was just seeing the good side of Dorothy. It didn't matter. She landed her house on a witch. You know, it didn't matter all this stuff. She saw all her potential. And this is so such a great model for parents. It's so hard to do. It kind of gets to the core of the laugh more, yell less idea of like, how can we be the good witch? How can we be that supportive voice, that sort of, fan that sort of supporter in the corner as opposed to what we often sort of fall back to which is did you get your work done you know is your is your room cleaned up you know sort of not not necessarily nagging but always sort of like riding our kids and there's a whole other side that they really need from us and it's so much harder to do now in covid times and so i really expanded on that chapter because like you said, we've, we've become homeschool teacher, we've become school counselor, we've become lunch lady, we've become janitor, we've become everything in this world. And now we're about to enter the summer months where we don't even know all the things that the kids do with camp, but we're going to learn them. It's just overwhelming. So keeping in mind that idea, how can I be the good witch? How can I sort of be like Linda is another idea that I promote in the book. Well, and I think that the thing that's been ch- that is challenging too is the fact that you don't just want your kid to sit in front of the TV all day. You want them to have a structure because if they don't have structure in their lives, there is going to be mass chaos and you're not going to definitely be able to get anything done and be effective, not only as a parent, but as an employee, as a spouse. It's basically a train wreck waiting to happen. So 
Yeah, I definitely hear all of that. I love that the concept of being the good witch because I mean, you know, you bring that picture in your mind's eye up and you can see it and you can it's tangible. And I think that that's one of the things that I've I loved reading about reading your book initially was the fact that it truly is very tangible and it's things that will stick with you because you create an image, you create pictures, you create things that are lasting for all of us that are just trying to, sometimes just trying to survive each day, right? And sometimes in parenting, that's what it's like. It's one day at a time. Thank you so much for that. I really appreciate it. I worked very hard to make it practical. Also, we're both parents. We've seen a million blog posts and books and and commercials that are out there shaming parents, especially dads. Like This is a tough thing to do to begin with. We didn't need another book. And I certainly wasn't going to contribute another one that was going to be in the shame Olympics or, you know, a 400 page book that you needed to like pull off the shelf in the middle of the night, bleary eyed, try to figure out what to do. This is going to be much more, it's going to be short, accessible, informational, and hopefully a, a little bit more on the positive side. Now, are there other things that are different in this updated version that you've released through the COVID-19 that if somebody had read it back in 2015 or before, or between now and then, that they would find different? I mean, what what's some of the main differences that you're going to find? So the main differences are adjusting to the reality that, that we're in, whether it's the, the preface or the extensions of each of the chapters. Like you observed, I, I kept with the theme of the book and tried to keep the integrity of the, the ideas because I felt like they were kind of timeless and could really... I was, I was pleased to, to say once I dove back into it, I was worried that I would really have to completely pivot and adjust to a whole new reality. But most of the things like we were just talking about of Be the Good Witch or Zig and Zag or Find More Time, these are things that are, that, that are lasting current issues that may be even more relevant now than they were in 2015. So actually, there aren't a ton of significant changes. I've really adjusted a lot of the ideas and, and tried to be gentle with my calls to action that the future is going to be different because here we are, but also really added on to chapters, especially about homeschooling and about other challenges, dealing with uncertainty and the emotional challenges of parenting during these times. So I really wanted to add some notes to that, but the core part of it is still the same book from 2015. Well, that's great to know. Now, I know that you work with people all of the time, and what are some of the biggest struggles that you're hearing from people right now in regards to kind of life as a parent? I'd say the biggest overall struggle is just the emotional overwhelm and, and the sort of burnout that parents are feeling right now and the ability to find some space for themselves or to prioritize their own self-care just seems like an impossible task. Like it's been one wave of things after another. And and now I'm doing a workshop tomorrow again about like, great, homeschool is done. And now summer, you know, camp counselor role starts immediately. There used to be a break. There used to be like closure activities where kids could sort of bask in the afterglow of field days and award assemblies for a week or two. You know, you didn't mind putting them on screens for this week or two. And then like summer would, would kick in. But here we are like, in 12 hours, we have to jump right into camp counselor mode. And I'm just hearing parents so emotionally wrought and emotionally overwhelmed. And they're trying to continue earning a living. Some of them have been significantly impacted. Some of them are 
working harder now at the same job than they were before because now there's no start time and end time. It's just a 24-hour job. So uh, mostly the emotional overwhelm is what I'm hearing from parents. So what advice do you give to parents that are feeling that way? I mean, I I definitely hear the, the 24-7 nature of jobs, especially when the you've got your work and your computers and such where you live. It's hard to separate and have that balance that you might have had if you went away and then you came home and there was that turn on, turn off type of mentality, at least for some people in their jobs. I mean, even if you used to go to the gym, I mean, if you went to the gym and sort of leaned on a machine and watched TV for a half hour, it's still, you went to the gym, you know, it's still different. Like now you have to like construct the whole workout yourself. You have to make a space. You have to figure out how to get that bike out of the garage. You know, there's, there's a whole new game. So it is completely overwhelming. My advice is, as cliche as it sounds, to put on your oxygen mask first. And I I do free workshops with parents now to talk about this and to break this down because I think the challenge is, as parents, we know you're supposed to put on your oxygen mask first because we're the only ones that are reading the placard or paying attention to the, the stewardess on, on the plane, right? So this is our job. And the reason we know that is because we are the people that are responsible to figure this all out for our family. But if we are the person responsible for managing and getting our family from here to there, and we don't even know where there is yet, it's going to be very hard unless we actually figure out how to put on our oxygen mask first. So I actually sit down with parents and ask them to identify what is their oxygen mask. Is it their ability to take a walk a half hour before they go to sleep so they can actually fall asleep for a change? Is it the ability to work out? Is it to have some schedule worked out so it's not so random when they're responsible for the kids? You know, what is the oxygen mask that you need so that you can supply all the things you're supplying for your family? Because holding your breath and doing all this stuff for months and months is not working for most parents I know, and it's certainly not going to keep working. It definitely isn't. It's only going to last so long, and then there's going to be an even even worse burnout that's going to happen. You know, I see it with many people, and, and I think that that's definitely a challenge. Now, Robert, we always finish our interviews with what we like to call our fatherhood five, where we ask you five questions to delve deeper into you as a parent. Are you ready? Sure. In one word, what is fatherhood? Joy. When was a time that you felt like you finally succeeded in being a father to a daughter? At the top of one of the mountains that we climbed in Peru. There were so many challenges in in the hike that we took, and one of them was just altitude difficulty. I I was in good shape, but I would have to stop every on some, some of those inclines every like 20 steps to like catch my breath. And I thought I was dying. I, you know, I had this story playing in my head where I was really like you're not in shape. This you, this was a bad idea, right? And so at the top of one of those mountains that I, I finally like made some peace with that voice, I was almost in tears. Like there was this moment that we had together. It was, it was beautiful where I was relying on her as sort of a model, but also we were exchanging sort of the energy of, of having done this trip together. It was a beautiful moment. How would your kids describe you as a dad? I'm glad you didn't say one word. I think they would describe me as patient and goofy. And who inspires you to be a better father? My kids. I know that sounds cliche. I feel like it's been a lot of work since even before they were born to lean into this idea of being a father. We met somewhere along that journey. You and I know several different people that have made this a very intentional task, identity. And to see that 
work out and to see them independent and be able to hold their own and to be good friends with each other has been hugely inspiring. And finally, what advice would you give to other dads? I would suggest one of the hardest things for me to do was to write myself a big permission slip to mess up. I think I tried to avoid messing up so hard that I didn't learn as much as I would have if I just sort of would have, if I would have gone with the flow and allowed my mistakes to be lessons and to gain from them. So a heaping spoonful of self-compassion and permission to let yourself slip up and to learn from your mistakes. You're not going to be perfect and you, you shouldn't aim for that. Now, where can people find you if they want to find out more about your practice, but also about your book? Uh, they can find me at my website, robertsitland.com. There's information about my book and the free workshops I'm offering for parents. And also I've developed a portable brief coaching package for parents who are stuck at home right now, just five half hour session so we can fit into your schedule. And all that information is there on the website. They can also find me on social media at drrobertsitland.com. That's Instagram or Twitter or Facebook. And on Pinterest, it's laugh more, yell less. Well, I really appreciate you sharing all of this, all of the great advice, and I wish you all the best. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. If you've enjoyed today's episode of the Dads with Daughters podcast, we invite you to check out the Fatherhood Insider. The Fatherhood Insider is the essential resource for any dad that wants to be the best dad that he can be. We know that no child comes with an instruction manual, and most dads are figuring it out as they go along. And the Fatherhood Insider is full of resources and information that will up your game on fatherhood. Through our extensive course library, interactive forum, step-by-step roadmaps, and more, you will engage and learn with experts, but more importantly, dads like you. So check it out at fatheringtogether.org. If you are a father of a daughter and have not yet joined the Dads with Daughters Facebook community, there's a link in the notes today. Dads with Daughters is a program of Fathering Together. Find out more at fatheringtogether.org. We look forward to having you back for another great guest next week, all geared to helping you raise strong, empowered daughters and be the best dad that you can be. We're all in the same boat. And it's full of tiny screaming passengers We spend the time We give the lessons We make the meals We buy them presents Bring your A-game Cause those kids are growing fast The time goes by just like a dynamite blast Calling astronauts and firemen, carpenters and muscle men, get out and be the world to them. Be the best dad you can be. Be the best dad you can be.